0: Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Welcome. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris. We're glad that you're with us today again. And if you're new here to Evangel Church, we uh, just are so glad that you're with us this morning. I'm really excited for all the things that God is doing among us. Uh Over the last month, we were a part of a um, special focus on missions, which we have uh, really a theme over the next few years called the least of these. It comes from Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus said, what you've done for the least of these, brothers of mine, you've done it to me. And we are called, we know, to be a church that is reaching across the street and around the world in missions. It's a part of who we are. And so normally you'll see flags hanging and flying all around the sanctuary and we are now beginning the decorations to transform the space into a Christmas uh, themed space and uh, that looks beautiful but we never forget uh, at any part of the year God's heart for missions and the calling that he has for us. Uh, I know that each of the messages over the last four weeks were challenging but last week especially how many of you were blessed by the ministry of Cyrus as he came and shared with us. And my wife and I were uh, out of town, and as uh, we came back, I was able to listen to that word and just be so impacted personally um, by his ministry, and just so thankful that you were able to hear that word, church, and I know that God challenged me. I'm trusting he's challenged you, and there are some things that I will even reference inside of this Um, message today that show how what Cyrus had kind of begun us with and some of his thoughts beyond just what we talked about in missions are so connected to what we're going to be talking about today and continuing through. I know that you didn't even have to be in this sanctuary on last Sunday to be so impacted. One uh, friend of ours told us that they were driving from up in New England, driving home, watching the live stream on their phone. They weren't the one driving, I think, Um, (laughs) but they're sitting in the car. With their spouse driving in, they're just crying as they're listening to God's word being challenged. So I'm trusting that God met with you in a special way. If you did not get a chance to hear the message, it is worth going online at evangelchurch.com, listening to it. It's so much more than a message just about missions. It's one that God will use to minister to your heart and uh, challenge you in a special way. And this Last month, God really put it on my heart that I believe He wanted to change our hearts in our lives uh, through um, really helping us see that when we give, when we pray, and when we go, it has a direct impact on our heart towards the least of these. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I gave a challenge out. You remember receiving a card that says, I will give. Each year as a church, what we do is above and beyond our normal tithes that we will bring in, that's us bringing back to the Lord um, what he has given to us, above and beyond that tithe, we give an offering to missions. And it's separate from what we give in our regular giving and tithing. And so as we do that, we ask the congregation each year as we're setting a goal and seeing what we can do to impact the kingdom of God through missions to make a commitment on what they could give above and beyond in a faith promise, we've called it in the past, or in a commitment or a pledge to missions. You receive this card right now. If you want to reach down at the end of your pew, anyone sitting there in the end, if you want to pass those cards down, just in case anyone doesn't have one and you do want one, um, you can grab that again. I told you that today on the 6th, we would be collecting those. So I hope that over the last few weeks, You've been praying about that. We would like to be able to receive those and and do our very best to bring all that together and meet the goals that God has put before us as a church. Uh, We know that we are called at this hour to be generous. We want to lead the way with generosity. And as Cyrus shared on Sunday, um, he talked about uh, out of Mark chapter 5, this man who, after all the demons had gone out of him, went into the herd of pigs. And as all those pigs went and they drowned... That was, he calculated out, and he said it's equivalent of $1.2 million worth of loss for just one life. And you got to see last Sunday the evidence of what an investment in one life can produce for the kingdom of God and how much God can do and how much Jesus cared for that one and allowed that. And, and whenever he used that term, it was, came out to $1.2 million. The Lord just put in my heart that, um, that I should share some of the things that were happening um, that many of you may not be aware of because you may not be members here at Evangel Church. So if I can just see a show of hands, how many of you are a part of our, act, our membership? If you're a member of Evangel Church, lift your hand. Now, okay, put your hands down. If you're not a member of Evangel Church, would you lift your hand? It's okay. No one needs to be embarrassed to raise your hand. Um, <clears throat> all right, so you can see there's a lot of people members, a lot of people not. So Uh, Whenever we have our membership meeting, we only get about 200 people uh, out. So many of you are members, but you still don't know this news because you haven't been there in the last couple meetings. So take that as an encouragement to come, uh, come be a part of it. As we were going into 2015, we felt the Lord impressing on our heart uh, that we were just called to, to do something with the things that God has blessed us with and that we need to continue as a church to lead the way with generosity. And Our church has just been known over the years for radical generosity, that we give to the Lord, we trust him, we put our faith in action, we don't hold back, and that goes all the way back, whether the Great Depression or uh, in the 90s when we didn't have much money in the bank, or even today, as God has blessed us, that we will not stop leading the way with giving and putting him first. So God has spoken to my heart, to our leadership's heart. We came together before the membership, and what we did is we shared a plan that over the next three to five years, above and beyond what we normally raise for missions, we are going to give away $1.2 million beyond that to go out to the ends of the earth to um, to fund missions projects, to support missions initiatives, to see the least of these served for God's kingdom to be advanced. And as Brother Cyrus shared, $1.2 million for those pigs, that's what reminded me to say we should share that and just celebrate what God has called us to. And, Parts of those funds are going to dig wells. Uh, they're going out to finish Project Refuge. Uh, even in Rwanda and Uganda, we're currently scouting and praying and asking the Lord to, to allow us to go there and do a transformation in one of those villages that Cyrus shared about. So that we could see more stories, just like his wife's story, come to pass. More lives impacted for the kingdom, for Teen Challenge and the work that's happening there. Uh, these funds are going to go out. And we're believing that they are going to bring in a harvest of souls and changed lives. To think if Jesus was willing to save one through that, I'm trusting that in our day we're going to see countless lives transformed over the next few years through that giving. We don't give, church, so that we can receive. We don't give to get. That isn't how it works in the kingdom. We give to give. We give because we model the heart of God. And I just want to encourage you to, as you pray about this, as you pray about making a pledge, we've set a goal this year that we're going to give away $830,000 by the end of 2016, all to missions to go out, and that's gonna be inclusive of some of those funds I told you about and uh, what we make a commitment to give as a church uh, through our membership. So please pray about it, Uh, make a commitment, allow God to challenge you to lead the way with generosity. And uh, and as you do that, we don't do it so we'll get, we do it so that we can model the heart of Christ and the kingdom will be better as a result of that and more advanced. So thank you for your generosity, thank you for your heart to give, and I'm just excited about what God has in store for us as we move forward into next year. Cyrus had shared, and there's this theme that's in, been in my heart coming into the end of the year, and it's a theme, it's about light, and, um, and I've had a hard time articulating it, I've just been praying about it, and, and, and sometimes the Lord can give you a sense of a word uh, and that's a clear word, and sometimes he gives me kind of more of a vision, more of a, a, just a sense of something, and all I continue to see were kind of pictures, and it was about light and darkness. And so I've just been praying over that, and then as Cyrus shared last week, if you remember the very first verse that he opened up with, he opened up into Isaiah, and he began to read, and he said, when you care for the least of these, when you care for the poor, whenever you care for the widow, whenever you care for the orphan, when you extend yourself in those ways, you're like a light. And I thought, wow, Lord, you're know, you just weaving this together. And today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 60, and we're going to pick up on that theme of light. And as we talk about that theme of light, um, I want to talk to you about what's happening in the world around us today. Many of you know um, that you can just watch the news, and it feels like the things that we're having to read about are heavy, and they're dark. And I use the word dark strongly because they, they feel evil. Um, and, and I just get a picture in my mind as I'm reading that the world around us is getting darker and darker. Every December, I think of it like this, because I know that as we walk towards December 21st, it will be the darkest day of 2015. Um, and that's not supposed to sound ominous, it's just scientific, because it's the winter solstice, and therefore, that will be the day of most darkness in, uh, in our year, The reason I learned to appreciate this or understand these dates was back when I was young adults pastor here, uh, we used to do fundraisers for missions, and one of them was a drive-in. We used to have fun drive-ins in the back parking lot. Anyone remember that? I know we had a lot of fun. Our our young adults did. Uh, And so one of the drive-in movies we picked, we, we thought it would be a great idea to have it on June 21st. And so we planned it, and we got it ready, and everyone started coming. What we didn't realize was June 21st is the day when it is most light in the entire year. So it's like 9.30 and the sun hasn't gone down yet and no one can see the screen and we're like, man, you know, what's going on here? Uh, Lord, you know, bring darkness. And so I've learned to appreciate these two days. Uh, And so the 21st of December is that day that's getting dark. And every time I think of that, I just think about not just the season we're in in 2015, but the season we're in in the world and on God's timetable and timeline that i tell you what, the days are getting darker and the Bible says the days are going to get darker. And so we need not be surprised by it, but we need to be ready. We need to be prepared, church. And we need to understand how God wants us to live as the days get darker. Because I think the first response, whenever you hear about these shootings that have just taken place and the, the taking of lives... Um, at a holiday celebration. You know what the first response when people? Are, well, I'm not going to any holiday celebrations this year. I'm not going to any Christmas gatherings, anything where people are going to be around. I'm, going, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to tuck away. I'm going to. And I think that that's our natural response. And that's ultimately not just what the enemy of the United States or the enemy in ISIS, but the enemy of our souls. That's what he always wants. He wants to cause us to become afraid, retreat, and isolate ourselves. And, and I want to tell you this, that what the Lord has called us to As the days get darker, he says that it's your opportunity as the people of God to shine brighter. And I'm going to tell you, as the days get darker, if we're doing what the Lord has placed us here to do, if we're being the light that he's called and created us to be, then we're only going to shine brighter. And as we shine brightly and as we do that boldly, the Lord will be honored And the kingdom of God will be advanced. And we have to know the truth is this. It doesn't matter what's going on in the news around us. It doesn't matter what uh, the headlines might say. The greatest power in this world is the power of the name of Jesus Christ that every knee will bow at. That's where all power, all authority. I believe that, church. I believe that. I don't believe any person or any military power has more authority in this world than Jesus Christ. Because he said, all authority has been given to me. I take him at face value with that and believe it. And so therefore, I know that the greatest victory that will come will be when we're on our knees before him, seeking him, looking to him, being the light that he's called us to be. And so as we go into this new year, I just have had this sense that God wants to call us as a church to prayer, just as we have, um, but we want to just put a special focus on that. We always begin the new year with prayer, but we want to really use this as an opportunity to come together because I believe as we pray and as we seek his face, he will prepare us to be the light that he's called us to be. I think about this satellite imagery that you see, and I don't know if you've ever seen any of this. It comes from, um, whether from one of the satellites or from the International Space Station, which this has taken. This is looking out over the world at night. And I just love these pictures because you can just see all these pockets of light shining brightly. In each area where there's a concentration is a city. It's a city up on a hill maybe or a city that's set apart and you could see how it radiates that light even more than anywhere else. And as I've thought about this and as I told you, the Lord's kind of been working in my mind and in my spirit around light. He's really given me this picture. That what if as we move into 2016, and we come into New Year's with a New Year prayer. We make a focus on that, seeking the Lord in 2016, that as we look on that map right there, and that's an illumination of the United States, as you look right there in the Northeast, right there in New Jersey, right here in Scotch Plains in our surrounding community, that there would just be a bright light. I know that on New Year's Eve, the brightest lights that you'll find in this entire world are going to be in Times Square, right? but I believe that there's a light that can shine even brighter through the believers coming together, the body of Christ seeking the Lord. And so what I would encourage you to do um, as we move into the new year, we shared with you last week, we're not gonna be having a New Year's Eve service here in the building, but what God's begun to put on our heart as we've been praying and thinking about this is what would it look like if we looked out at a map over our region and instead of one light in one place, we saw a bunch of lights in a bunch of areas in a bunch of homes all around here And that as we come into 2016 in different homes throughout our body and throughout our community, people are gathering together, family and friends, seeking the Lord, praying in the new year together in pockets all around. So what we're gonna challenge and encourage you to do, church, this New Year's Eve, would you spend it connecting with friends, connecting with family, but as we get to the strike the, the clock striking midnight that you would pause and you would pray in the new year with whoever it is that you're gathered with together. Maybe you could take this opportunity to invite some other believers, some other people from the body of Christ into your home and have a time of fellowship and then have a focused time of prayer leading us into the new year. We just are believing that God will raise up some homes all around our community and our body that will be willing to do that. And as we do that, I'm just believing it will be pockets of prayer, lights going on, And then for the first, second, and third in the evening, when we come together, we're going to come together and we're going to pray. We're going to seek God collectively on the first, on the second, and on the third in those evenings of prayer. And we're going to see God do a great work to prepare us for 2016. Amen? So I'd encourage you, if you're going to be willing to do something like that, we have a little sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Um, It's just an opportunity for you to let us know. What we want to do is we want to celebrate and get a sense of who's doing that so we can just be praying for you and and just have a sense of of how the Lord's going to work through this. Um, And if you are going to host a a gathering in your home of some friends, family, or if just you and your family are saying, we're committed, we're going to do this, we're going to pray in the new year together, sign up and let us know, and we'll send you a resource that we're putting together right now that will have some different ways that you can make this New Year's Eve special and Christ-centered, so some different things that you could do to really make that a special time. It'll just be a few pages of notes and ideas for us to share with you, so let us know, let's pray in the new year together and really see God do his best to allow his life. Light to shine through us amen all right let's uh, let's jump in here to god's word we're in isaiah chapter 60 and lord we thank you for your goodness we thank you lord that you are the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it and cannot overcome it and today lord i just pray that you'd shine into our hearts through the hearing of your word, Lord, I pray for those that today are battling depression. I pray for those that are um, in places where they're very isolated, where they're hiding, where they feel that they're just wallowing in darkness. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to them at this hour, Lord God. I pray for our loved ones that are in those very places that you would lift up a light of hope to them, that they would see you, Lord God, that they would feel the peace that comes from knowing you, Lord God. And as your light shines to us, Lord God, would it eventually shine in us, and then shine through us. Lord, we will give you all the glory and all the honor and speak to us through your word, we pray. Amen. Man, we're in Isaiah chapter 60, and I'm gonna start in verse one. And this comes to a group of people who are feeling that very hopelessness that I'm talking about. They were feeling like they were wallowing in darkness, and here's what the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah. He said, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons will come from afar, and your daughters will be carried in the arms, And then you will see and be radiant and your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you and the wealth of the nations will come to you. This is a word that comes from the prophet. And God would use prophets to speak a word to people when they were going through situations. Sometimes those words would be about the future and about some things that were going to unfold for them. And it was the way that God used these prophets as his mouthpiece that we have now, prophetic texts that spoke to a people in the midst of a circumstance, whether they were living their life apart from God and he was bringing them warning to say, this is what's going to happen if you don't turn from your wicked ways, or if it was those that were living in the consequences, in the, in the, the downfall, in the playing out of all of their wrong choices, that The prophet could come and say, this is what the world looks like, but God has a word for you, and here's what it is. And he came to the people who were living in darkness, who were wallowing in despair, in depression, in isolation, and separated from God in exile. And here's what God's word says, arise and shine, your light has come. And God was speaking of a time that the people would be able to have hope again because God was going to be with them. He was coming to be near to them. But this text also points forward to a greater light, the greatest light that was coming into the world, the light of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It says that in him was light in John's gospel, and that light was the life of men. That life that comes. Think about that. It was as if it illuminated the people and allowed them not to walk in darkness anymore. In John's gospel, Jesus goes on to declare loudly, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness anymore, but he's gonna have a light that leads to life. Does anyone else have in them today the light that leads to life? Have you experienced that? Have you known what it is to walk in darkness? Can you remember what it is to live without that hope in him? Prophet Isaiah comes to those who feel hopeless and reminds them that they can arise and shine because their light has come. Just like the dawning of a new day brings light and there's a time for sleeping but there's a time for re- waking up. That, that alarm is being sounded by the prophet in this text to say it's time to arise and shine. The night is over. The light has come now and it's going to change everything. I don't know about you But I can remember these words coming from my mother. And maybe you can remember these words coming from your parents. Rise and shine. And how many of you welcomed those words? And how many of you put the pillow over your head and you're like, no, you know, stay down and slumber, you know, like do not rise, sleep. It would come at the beginning of that morning. Hey, rise and shine. And there were times that you were told to rise and shine, you didn't feel like rising or shining. There was nothing to shine about. Right? But our Heavenly Father is calling us now. People of God, it's not time for complacency. It's not a time to sit back. It's not a time to tuck away. It's not a time to bury our heads in the sand. As the days are getting darker, it's not time then for us to just pull in the blanket and tuck away in the sleeping bag and slumber and sleep. Instead, if the day is getting darker, it's time to arise and shine and be a light in this dark world around us. He said, you know why? Not because of anything else, but because of this. Your light has come. When you have the light, And the light has arrived, you should do nothing else than shine it. Lift it up, allow it to be elevated. Jesus said this If I be lifted up, then I will draw all men unto myself. He said, You are what? The light of the world. You're a city on a hill, and that light should not be hidden under anything, but instead it should be placed up in a high place so that it could give light to all, so that they could see and they could see their way. God's speaking now that in the midst of any darkness, people are walking through, that there is a light that leads to life, and that light has come, and through the incarnation, through what we read in John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 14, that the word of God, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. When he came, he came as a light into the world. And that light comes now, and he shines into the darkness. Just like on that first Christmas night, as they looked up in the sky, and there was a different star that was shining, and it was shining more brightly than it ever had before. And they looked, and wise men came, and they saw this light illuminating the way, standing over a place that they would come and see. As they arrived, you know what they came and saw? They saw the King of Kings. They saw the Lord of Lords. They saw the light of the world, Jesus had come in the same way that that light shined brightly that first Christmas that was the beginning of the light of the world coming into the darkness and the brokenness of the world that we live and showing us how we can be saved and set free and made new in his presence there's a continual struggle between light and darkness we read about it in the Bible continually in the beginning there was chaos there was void And God said these words, let there be light. And at the word of God, he spoke it and light came. And that light illuminated. That light allowed there to be things seen. You know that we were created, you and I, we were created to live in light. We were created to be children of the light is what it says there. That we should live then as those who have the light of Christ in us. I think children of light, that sounds kind of weird, like cultish or something. But we are truly called to be that, that we're not called to walk in darkness anymore. It says in God's word that you and I, we were rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and we were transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. We were taken out of darkness and hopelessness and brought into his marvelous light. And therefore, we're now called to walk in that light. We are called not just to see the light, we are called to be that light in the world around us. Light and darkness, they don't go well together. And I'm so thankful that God's word reminds us of something that science teaches us as well, is that there is no amount of darkness that could ever overcome light. But at the smallest bit of light, darkness is dispelled. And so whenever you really want to hold them against one another, there is no amount of darkness that can overcome light. But the littlest spark of light can instantly dispel darkness. Isn't that powerful? And you need to know this, that Jesus, when he came as the light of the world, he came and he began to dispel darkness and set it back. And you and I, as we shine brightly, the same thing happens around us. The kingdom of God advances. Those that are living in darkness, those that are wandering in darkness, those that are living in hopelessness, it illuminates to them. Because I'm going to tell you what, if you're living in darkness long enough, it becomes very unhealthy. Do you remember the story of the 33 miners that were trapped underground? They're just making a movie about it. Right now, a few years back, we had heard about it. As they were there, and as the world had stopped to watch, as days and weeks and months were going by without them being rescued, people began to worry, and they weren't just worried about the food getting to them. They weren't just worried about the mind collapsing. They were worried about the psychological, mental, and physical damage that an absence of light sustained for that amount of time would have on the people there. And they knew that if enough time went by that that light was gone from them, it would begin to literally change them. You can see in places where there is long periods of darkness that depression is higher, that people go through that. Have you heard about these kinds of statistics up in Alaska in areas where they do not get much sunlight for many seasons of the year? People battle with even depression. It changes things about them as they live in darkness. I mean, what a powerful image of a scriptural and spiritual truth at work. The longer we live in darkness, the more ugly and unhealthy things can become. I I had a picture that I pulled up and I went back and forth whether I was going to show it to you and I decided not to. Um, Have you ever seen in the depths of the sea those things that are living there where there is no light at all? At times they'll go down there and they'll shine light into those areas of complete darkness and what they see is scary. Sea monster, kind of scary. There's the one thing and I I had a picture of it. I really thought, I'm like, there are children in there and they start crying and run out. It has, like, fangs, and maybe it's just me. I was afraid I couldn't finish my sermon once I saw it again. It, like, fangs, and it's, like, it looks like a monster. It looks like something someone put in a horror movie or something. You're like, no, that's a real thing that lives down in the depths of the ocean. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's just this truth is becoming a reality that in that darkness, ugly things grow. And there's unhealth in the darkness. We can't We can't survive in darkness for that long. And so... Jesus says in John chapter 13, he touches on this. He says, this is the verdict. The light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and they won't come into the light because they're afraid that their deeds are gonna be exposed. There are things that easily can happen where we will want to keep things in the dark. And it it can be because they're they're ugly things. They're evil things. They're things that are wrong and don't honor the heart of God. And men, it said when the light came into the world, it would expose that for what it is. It would show, wow, that is not the way that God would have you to live. And it says men would even reject the light and they want to stay in the darkness because they don't want to come to terms with just how bad it is. It says they begin to hate the light because they don't want it exposed. They don't want it to be seen. So this can happen for anyone, that there can be things that you'll tuck away in dark parts of your life where no one will see and, and you'll just keep them there because you don't want them to be exposed. But as light shines into the darkness, you don't have to be afraid because as that happens, you know what happens whenever it's brought into the light that God has? It is shown. The Lord, when we turn it to him, it's taken It's healed, it's restored, and we're made whole again as a result. The thing that we're very afraid of, the thing that we would be afraid actually becomes a thing that can change us and transform us and heal us. But out of fear, out of insecurity, out of those things, it can be easy to want to hide that all away, tuck it away. So we'll see many times people live that way. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And so as it's dark, let the light shine so that it can illuminate, so that it can show, so that it can reveal, so that it can cause you to come to a place where healing can happen. But as I've walked through this life, I've realized that there are other things that can easily also cause someone to just allow it to stay in the light. It's painful things, not maybe sinful things, not, not things that are wrong choices, But I believe it it happens as well, where people begin to fall into depression or, or fall into dark places because of pain that they have experienced, things that have happened, loved ones being lost, relationships being broken, and as someone would isolate themselves, you know what? If you isolate yourself long enough, you find yourself in a dark place. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? If you become isolated, it's like you're just creeping away into a dark corner. And those things can happen because of pain that we experience in this life where we feel like there's no one else going through what we're going through, and so we retreat and kind of back away and just keep to ourselves. And in that, that's the last thing that we need, but it's the thing that we feel like we have to do. And it's in those times that the Lord also wants to shine light so that he could bring us hope in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our discouragement, in the things that we're walking through. As I was thinking about this, I, I talked to Mandy, uh, my wife, and and we had earlier this year been through a very, a very difficult season, a very painful season. And we didn't share it with you as a congregation. We shared it with our leadership and with our elders. But um, you will know we have our daughter Lily, and we were praying um, about when the Lord would allow us to have another child. And so we began to try. And earlier this year, we um, had found out that we were going to be parents, and we began to... Um, you know, plan for that and pray for that and go to the doctor. And right as we were getting ready to announce that with family and friends, um, we went to a final doctor's appointment and they said that there were complications and within a short period of time we found out that we lost the child um, very early in our pregnancy. So we went through that season. Our first thought was just we just kind of kept to ourselves and we're grieving that loss and feeling that. And and, um, if you've ever suffered with a miscarriage at any point in a pregnancy, it is a very different feeling especially when no one had known that you were pregnant or expecting. And so we didn't kind of know how to deal with that or how to walk through that. And I'm just thankful that over time, what we did um, very early on is we began to reach out to our deacons and to our elders and to our pastors and staff. And they just came around us and ministered to us. And a few of them in particular just wrapped their arms around Mandy and I and just ministered to us. And, uh, and it meant the world. We realized how much better we were once we were able to allow others to come alongside and to walk with us through that journey. And God had to do a very deep work of healing, but if we would have kept to ourselves, we would have had to walk through that pain experience that on our own. And, and I think that as I asked Mandy, we said, you know, this is something I feel like the Lord would have us to share today in particular, because I think there might be others that you're walking through something, maybe similar to what we're talking, what I just shared with you. Maybe you're walking through something else, but you feel like you're all alone. And I want you to know that when you're in that place, The Lord wants nothing else than to allow light to come into that place of darkness and despair and to give you hope in the midst of what you're walking through. And that's why you're a part of the body of Christ. We don't have to walk through those things alone. Amen? Amen. We don't have to walk through those things alone. And so uh, if that's you, I want you to know we're here for you. Our staff is here for you. Our pastors, our leaders are here for you. We don't want you to walk through this alone. Even after last service, people already started to come forward and we were able to begin to minister and walk alongside So know that if you're walking through something, we're here for you and we want to walk with you and minister to you through it. And in that, the Lord can do a deep healing work as you go through that because God brings light. He's all about bringing light into those places and he can bring hope to you through his word, through himself. Whenever we think about this, God speaks into every place of darkness in our lives. And you know what he says? Let there be light. And he has the power to bring light and to illuminate. It was Christ, the light, who defeated the darkness by dying in darkness on what happened as Jesus was dying. The the clouds drew in, the day grew dark. He died in darkness. It was Christ, the light, who filled the grave with his life and rose from the dead. It was Christ in his light who absorbs the darkness of our sin into himself and fills us with his light. It was Jesus who enlightens us by the gifts of his spirit. And when we receive the light of Christ, we're changed. And no matter what we've walked through, and no matter where we've been, no matter what hurt we might be carrying, when we allow the light of Christ to come in and minister to us, it brings healing and restoration. And that's exactly what the Lord would want for each one of us. And God wants to bring you through a process. And I know for Mandy and I, as we, as we walk through that journey, um, one of the things we would pray for Um, you know, we, we, we were wondering what will bring peace to us, what will bring comfort to us at this hour. And we thought it would be another child that would bring comfort to us and bring peace to us. It would be another thing. Whatever it is that we feel is lost, being brought back. And the Lord had to teach us something. He had to show us and bring us to a place, and maybe you're walking through this as well, that it isn't about the replacement of any loss that will bring you your peace. It's about himself being there with you to bring you peace. And we had to learn that lesson that it's Him, Himself. Even if we were in a point where we would not know what the future would hold, we had to allow Him to minister and heal us before even that next season. And, and we stand before you with a lot of reason to be thankful for what He brought us through there, but also because we have some exciting news to share with you. And, uh, and here's our Christmas picture of Lily, and that's a picture of her little brother or sister down there, and we're gonna be expecting a child in May. And so we're very, so Mandy doesn't have to hide anymore. She was hiding, not for the wrong reasons, but um, until we were able to share with you. But we would ask you to pray with us um, just for a healthy delivery. But I wanted to just reinforce something because because we've just, we went through that and now we have a child, but I, I need you to know something and those that walked with us can attest to it, that God had to do a work in us to bring us to a place of peace, a place of healing before this had come along. This wasn't the answer. We realized Jesus was the answer and he did that work in us and we're thankful that he had done that but he has to at times bring you to a place where he's gonna do the healing work and instead of us reaching and feeling incomplete without receiving whatever it is that we feel we've lost And, uh, and I just feel really impressed to share that with you today because for some we'd feel like, well, I just have to have that and then I'll be at peace. Jesus wants to be your peace. He wants to heal you. He wants to minister to you first and fix your eyes with him. Let him do that he can. He's more than enough for you in the midst of whatever it is that we walk through. And so in him comes light, and that light rises up, and it shines, and it causes us to be able to be filled with joy um, in whatever it is that we are walking through in this life. And and in Isaiah chapter 60, he's speaking to the people, and we'll see it here um, as we go into Verse 2, it says, doesn't matter if there's deep darkness that you're walking in, the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. And that light will come that no matter where you're at, if you fix your eyes on Jesus, allow his light and his glory to rise upon you to illuminate the way, to give you hope again. If you're feeling hopeless today, you don't need to look anywhere further than Jesus to find hope. And as he shines, he will bring hope into whatever situation there is. There is hope because Jesus is alive, well, and can bring healing, and can bring restoration to whatever broken situation it is that you're walking through. And the world around you will see it. It says this in verse three, nations will come to your light, and kings, to the brightness of your rising. That there's a transformation that's meant to happen inside of our lives when we come to Jesus. That you and I, we are not just... People that are here to see the light, we are here to be the light. We are not here to to rise and see. We are here to rise and shine. And rising and shining means something way different than us seeing. Yes, we know that Jesus is the light of the world, but guess what? He died. He rose again. He commissioned us. And he put his spirit in us. And you know what he said? You now are the light of the world. And you shine brightly in this dark world as my witnesses, as my representatives, as my disciples. Church, we have a job. Our job is to rise, to stand up, to come out of complacency or slumber and to shine the light of Christ brightly in the world around us through the way that we live. People should see, just as the the scripture says, they should see our good deeds and give glory to God in heaven because of the shining that happens through us. As we look at verse five of Isaiah chapter 60, it says as this happens, as Christ puts his light in us by putting his spirit in us, it says that then you will see and you will be radiant. And your heart will thrill and rejoice because of the abundance of the sea You will be, will be turned to you and the wealth of the nations will come to you. Then you will see and be radiant. That as Christ illuminates our lives, it causes us to be able to see clearly, see the way Jesus wants us to see, and it will allow us to radiate, to be able to be one that is radiant, shining his light out for others to see. And I'll tell you what, it's easy to shine, or it's easy to feel good when you're standing in a place full of light. You and I, we are like walking living lanterns. And if you think about this picture here of this lantern, It's you and I, we're walking around and it's like we come to church every Sunday and we're like a lantern and our lantern's right there and we're standing here and this room is pretty well lit, um, physically and spiritually I believe we're well lit, we're all here, we're lifting up the name of Jesus, we're shining brightly, I hope none of you are afraid or ashamed of the name of Jesus under this roof. Everyone got quiet, I hope I'm... Um, And so we're here and we all have our, 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 our lanterns and we're polishing them up and our, some lanterns look so pretty and some look a little dinged up and whatever, you know, we we're, we're all have our lanterns. You know, the test of the lantern isn't what's happening in here. The test of the lantern is what happens when the lights go out. It could look great on the outside. The question is, does it shine in darkness? Is there something in it that produces light? Because it doesn't matter how beautiful it is on the outside, it matters what's happening inside of that lantern, right behind that glass. Is there a spark that leads to light, and is that light shining brightly? The greatest test of who we are isn't what's happening inside the walls of this church, it's happening when we leave here. Are we shining brightly in the world around us? And are we going to shine brightly as the days get darker? Are we? Yes. We're going to shine brightly. We're going to be those living lanterns, and we're going to rise. We're going to lift it high. We're going to shine it brightly, and that happens through the way that we live our lives, and it happens because we have hope in Christ. We have a great hope in him, and I heard an amazing story um, as I read through a commentary, and it talked about uh, one of the background texts that I was reading for this message today. It's by one of the commentators, and he says that Christian hope is different than just optimism. If we have hope, it doesn't mean we just have optimism. Optimism means, well, everything's just going to be okay. And at times, we become so optimistic, we just put our heads in the sand and forget about everything. He says this, Christian hope is different fundamentally than optimism. Christian hope locks its steely eyes on the devastation in the world around it and readily acknowledges that things may not get any better. Christian hope does not bury its head in the yuletide, cheer, or the artificial lights, Right? But instead, like a candle in a dark room, the Christian hope of Jesus pushes away all the brokenness and the darkness in this world and it makes a path for the true light of Christ to shine into and burst into that darkness. That hope comes where we can say, we know the world is dark, but we know that there is a light that has come and his name is Jesus and we shine brightly into the darkness. We don't retreat from it. We don't hide from it. We don't pretend that it doesn't exist. And he goes on to tell a story about what happened in a concentration camp during World War II about a rabbi, his name's Hugo Grin. And Hugo, he was sent to Auschwitz as a little boy with his family. And in the midst of the concentration camp, in the midst of all the death, all the pain, all the anguish around them, while many Jews, they held on to whatever religious observance they could, others weren't able to, and they were ridiculed by the guards And he watched one day as his father on a cold winter's evening gathered the family together in the barracks and they hid away in a corner. And he pulled out on the first night of Hanukkah, which is the Festival of Lights, he pulled out a little butter packet and it was the final pad of butter that the family had. And he pulled a piece of string from his tattered clothes and he made a makeshift candle and he lit a match and he began to burn it. And Hugo screamed to his father, no, this is our only food that we have left. How will we survive? And as that little makeshift candle burned on the first night of Hanukkah, his father looked to him and he said, we can survive several days without any food. We cannot survive a minute without our hope and our faith. I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter how dark the world is around you, if you just reach out and hold on to the hope you have in Jesus, that's all that you need to get through. it's all that you need. And soon, the light that shines upon you will be the light that shines in you and will shine through your life. And you will be a testimony to others as they're walking in darkness. you know what happens? They don't need to look any further than Jesus. And if they can see Jesus in you, in the cubicle next to them, or in the, the room next to them, or in the house that they live in, then they can see there is hope because Jesus is shining his light in and through those that follow him. There's a story of, as the worship team comes, a missionary named A.W. Milne and and he was one that went to New Guinea and where he went was to a group of people who were cannibals. Does everyone know what cannibals are? Yes. I'm not going to go into any more detail there then. And he spent his life among the people and he ultimately lost his life or died preaching the gospel, sharing with these people. And many of the people were impacted by his ministry and people came out of their former lives and became followers of Jesus and at the end of his life, some of his converts came and they asked if they would be able to place a marker on his grave and as they did, they placed the marker there and here's what it says. Here lie the remains of A.W. Milne. He came to us. When he came to us, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. I go all the way back to what Cyrus said to us last week. You and I were the light of the world. That light is meant to have an impact on those around it. He said, and I'm thinking of this because just yesterday we had two back-to-back funerals and I just got word about another person that's connected to someone in our body passing away. He said this in his message last Sunday. What will matter in this life is as they are closing your casket and you have ended your days whose life has been made better because you lived and you live for Jesus. How will you allow the light that's in you while it is still day, while it can still shine, how will you allow that light to impact the world around you? Have you been hiding it? Have you been embarrassed of it? Have you not allowed it to shine in all the places God has put you in? Because you may be frustrated at the dark place that you're in. Have you ever thought maybe you're in that dark place because God wants you to shine brightly and show people the way. Today, I want you to invite you to stand with me this morning. And I don't know where you are in this life and what it is that you might be walking through. But the Lord just wants to shine his light into your circumstance. And he wants to shine his light through your life. And so today, if you're in a hurting place and you're in a a broken place, we have... Pastors and and altar workers and leaders that will be here to meet with you. And the altars are going to be open so they can come. They will come right now and they'll just be stationed here as we sing this final song. But the way that we're going to shine our light is ultimately through the way that we live our lives. It says this, you are the light of the world. And you shine it brightly so that others will see it and they will glorify your God in heaven when they see your deeds. When they see the way that you live your life. It's through the way that we live, through the way that we give, through the way that we pray, through the way that we follow Jesus openly. And so you ask the Lord, how is it that I'm supposed to respond to a message like today? How am I shining my light? Are you shining it through the way that you live every day? Are you shining it through the way that you give and the way that you're generous? Take that commitment to to give to missions in 2016. Say, this will be one of the ways that we're gonna shine the light of Christ and I'm gonna be a part of it all around the world. Maybe there's an area God wants to bring healing into your life. I want you to come. Whatever it is that God's challenging your heart with right now, I want you just to spend this moment singing out to the Lord, worshiping. We're going to worship together. We're going to respond together. And as you feel led to go, you're free to go. We'll see you again next week. God bless you.